about the heart. And if you were to ask me what is the most important thing that I can do as a believer, if you're interested in really living for God, I want, I would, I would, if I asked somebody, what, what is the thing that's the most important thing you can do to be a strong believer for God, to, to walk with Christ the, the best way I can, um, it would be, my answer would be to take care of the matters of the heart, to make sure that my heart is pure. Uh, the, the thing that I have had engraved in my, in my spirit ever since I got saved was that I would guard my heart. And I would keep my heart pure. So we're going we're gonna to look at some things tonight um, on the Bible app. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been had, had a chance to get that up. But tonight it's there. Uh, several key verses um, that I'm going to use tonight. I don't put the notes there. So if, if anybody uses the, the app on the Bible and the phone that says the Bible app, um, you can actually go there tonight, uh, put VWO search later, and you can get the, the verses from this message on there. Um, I want to start in 1 Samuel in just a second, but I want to give you just a few key verses to write down. I'm going to be doing this for the next few weeks. I started last Wednesday talking about uh, keeping our hearts pure. And uh, the first one is Jeremiah 17.9. Don't go there for time. Write these down if you're taking notes because I want you to stay in 1 Samuel. But there's a few key verses. I was praying and asking the Lord what's some key verses about the heart that we can talk about. And I want you to understand the heart Obviously, we know, obviously, we're not talking about a physical heart. We're talking about the spiritual heart. Our spiritual heart is the center of who we are in our walk with the Lord. And if we, if we have our heart in control, good things are going to happen in our lives. If, if, if the enemy has control of our heart, bad things are going to happen. Jesus said that uh, a good tree will bear good fruit, and a bad tree will bear bad fruit. And so, we have to look at our lives and we have to ask the question, am I bearing good fruit or am I bearing bad fruit? How many know we are all bearing fruit? All of us. We're all bearing fruit. It's either good or bad. And, and I know that every single one of us in here tonight, that's why you're here, you, we want to bear good fruit. And so the way we bear good fruit is we make sure that what's coming out of us is good. And that starts in the heart. So Jeremiah 17, 9 says, and I've got some bad news with this verse. We all here were in need or are in need of a heart transplant. Every person who's ever born is born with a heart that is bad and needs a transplant. Every human being. Because of what Adam and Eve did, we are born into sin. And Jeremiah says this words, the heart is deceitful above all things. So the good news is, if you've ever wondered why was I so bad... There's your answer. How many have ever, ever thought, man, why, I was pretty bad. Why, or maybe even still, why did I think that? Why, why, did, I, why did my mind go there? Why, 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 why did I get that angry? Why, and you have these questions that we ask ourselves, and we think, man, am I really that bad of a person? And the answer is yes. Because the Bible says that our heart is deceitfully, is de- sorry, de- deceitful above all things, and listen to this, desperately wicked. It didn't just say wicked, it said desperately wicked, like bad, wicked, horrible. So our very being is lost, and our very heart that we're born into spiritually is broken. And what happens, if you think about it, is when someone's born physically, they're born physically with with a heart that's beating, but they're born spiritually with a heart that's bad. And if they don't fix that heart and get a heart transplant, they will eventually die spiritually. They will eventually go to hell. 
The only way you can, you can get right with God is to have a heart transplant. And he's the doctor. And so we, what we've basically done, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've basically gave him permission to give you a new heart. And that's the only reason that you're good now. That's the only reason that you're doing good things. That's the only reason you've changed is because the doctor, the great physician, Jesus, has come in and given you a new heart. He's given you a heart transplant. Another one is Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. Another word would be guard your heart. I talked about this last week. We have ribs around the most important organ in our body, which is our heart. God put those big, strong bones all around our heart to protect us. Our organs are not protected down here. Our stomach, our intestines, but our heart is protected. We have to guard our spiritual heart, it says, with all diligence, for out of our heart flow or spring the issues of life. That's what Proverbs 4.23 says. That's a pretty important verse. Basically, that what I do and how I act and how I think has everything to do with my spiritual heart. Okay? One more tonight before we get into 1 Samuel is Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. They asked Jesus, how many know the Ten Commandments? How many know some of them at least? We, we joked about that recently. Sadly, we're kind of a bi- biblically illiterate generation, and a lot of Christians don't even know five of the Ten Commandments. But that's okay. We're going to get past that. We can sum them all up with one Jesus said. They said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment, and all the commandments are summed up in this, that you would love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Amen? Your mind, your soul, your your heart. So your heart is your soul and your mind. It's your emotions. It's your feelings. It's who you are. I can't see your spiritual heart. You can't see my spiritual heart. And and we are good as human beings at covering up who we really are on the outside, or sorry, on the inside with our outside. But God says, I weigh the intentions of your heart. That's a sobering thought. I, I realized a long time ago, I can fool you. I can fool my wife. I can fool my daughters. I can fool my parents. I can fool anybody, and you can too, but we can't fool God. And so we ought to realize that. And, and not try to play religious games with God and not try to look good. It doesn't, doesn't mean we don't want to, to look good for other people. We want to be that representation of Christ. But we don't want to be that representation of Christ at church. We want to be that representation of Christ at our ugliest point, at our most difficult time, at the time of most trial, at the time of most temptation is when we want to show our true colors. And that will be what comes out of our heart. I want to look tonight, and I, and I literally, I mean, this is going to be at least a month. I might go through the whole summer on these Wednesday nights because there's so much to talk about. There's a thousand verses in the Bible about the heart. And that's why I said, if you were to ask me what's the most important thing to, to stay saved and stay on fire for God, it's, it's, it's de- dealing with the heart. Okay? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to bounce around to several verses tonight. I want you to look on with me. And uh, it would take too long to read. There's literally three or four chapters I want to look at here, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want to give you just a quick background. We're going to talk about Saul. How many have heard of Saul? And we're not talking about Saul from the New Testament that became Paul. We're talking about Saul. Saul's one of the most famous Old Testament guys. 
And uh, hopefully if you were paid attention in Sunday school, if you read a little bit of the Bible, you know that Saul is the man who what? Chased after David. Most people know Saul for that. Is that he was the man who was chasing after David. David was running for his life. David became king after Saul had failed. And most of us know that about him. But I want to talk tonight about Saul and why he failed. I don't know about you, but I like to learn from other people's mistakes. I, I, I much prefer to see somebody else, not that I want to see them fail, but if I see somebody fail, I want to learn from those mistakes and say, okay, what did they do? Why did they fail? Why did they fall? And say, I'm not going to do that. It would be wise of us to be watching somebody fall into a manhole and not fall into the same manhole ourselves. Can you say Amen. I mean, that's just wisdom, right? You see somebody fall and you say, okay, stay away from that place. Don't go that direction. And so I like to look at the life of Saul. As he becomes king, and this is a whole nother uh, subject, it's very interesting if you'll read in the 7th and 8th chapter of 1 Samuel. And by the way, 1 and 2 Samuel are awesome books. Some of my favorite books. And you'll see that Samuel was a great example. So in the Bible, we want to look at people who are great examples, and we say, I'll follow that person. If you want to make it for God tonight, you follow people who are great examples. And then you don't follow people who are bad examples. I know that sounds kind of elementary, but we, we struggle sometimes with the basics. And so you look in the Bible, and you say, okay, that person is doing it right. They've done it right. There's fruit. What is it that they're doing? Samuel was, was serving God from, a, from his childhood, and, and he becomes the person that God has to use to choose a king because the, the Israelites wanted a king. Now, I'm going to say that quick because I could go off on a whole message on that, how, how interesting it is that, that, that they said, we want a king. And, and it's crazy. Here's, I want to give this, this, this groundwork for you tonight so that you can think about this with your own heart. Why we're so wicked and why we're so desperately uh, lost in our hearts because we are so hard-headed our hard head connected to our hard heart the best way to be living for God is to keep that heart soft to keep that heart moldable to keep that heart humble okay because these Israelites had just seen a great victory I mean a great victory they, they cried out to God. They said, Samuel, pray for us. And Samuel interceded, and they fasted. And he, he defeated the Philistines miraculously. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. Give us a king. They went from, wow, God, you're amazing. You're so awesome. We want a king. We don't want you. Now, we might not just come out and say that. But sometimes in our lives, we choose the world or ourselves, or what we think's right over what God wants. And we might not just come out and say it, but they, they literally said, hey, thanks for the victory, now give us a king. That victory from you is not good enough. And we have to be careful to guard our hearts to not allow the enemy to come in and say, we need something else but God. Because how many know tonight we don't need anything but God? Just God. Just Jesus. We don't need help. We don't, we don't need anybody else to step in. He's enough. Say he's enough. Now, in, ver in chapter 9, they've, they've, he's, he said, okay, I'll give you a king. And we're going to look at verse 19. We're going to start there. Now, I want you to, 
uh, have your pens ready, your highlighters ready, because we're going to see a lot of verses here, and we're going to see how, how important the heart is. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 19. Let's pray real quick. Father, anoint us to hear your word tonight. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. Thank you for a time of praise and worship. Thank you for time of being able to give to your work, Lord. Anoint our ears tonight on this Wednesday night. Help us to concentrate, focus on you, and help us to get something out of this that's going to change our lives and cause us to be pure-hearted tonight. And Satan, you're defeated by the precious blood of Jesus. You have no place here. You cannot lie and you cannot deceive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Samuel answered and said, verse 19, I am the seer. That is another word at that time for the prophet. Go up before me to the high place and you shall eat with me today. He's talking to Saul. And tomorrow I will let you go. And watch this. He says, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. Think about that for a second. We're going to have a conversation. He says, I'm going to tell you all that is in your heart. Can you imagine sitting down with somebody that you do not know, who's a man or woman of God, and they begin to tell you all the things that are in your heart? Be a little scary, wouldn't it? Never met you before. And 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 he's gonna he says, We don't know the details of what they talked about exactly, but he says, I'm gonna tell you everything that's in your heart. How many know that'd be a little scary? I mean, think about it tonight. I want you to think about this. We have this screen. We, we put this up there so we can see it and we can focus on what we're talking about. It would be a scary thing probably for, for a lot of us if we said, hey, God, I would like you right now to show everybody my heart, my spiritual heart. That might be scary, right? We might, we might even be shocked at some things that we would see there. But the idea is, here's the idea. We want to get to a place What's the goal? We want to get to a place where I could say and you could say and we could say, put it up there. Because I'm working on it so hard. I'm keeping it clean. So I'm, I'm working so hard on keeping my heart humble. You know what? I might see something. That, okay, okay, I'm still working on that. But it wouldn't be scary. It wouldn't be shocking. We need to get to a place where we're not afraid for someone to know our heart. Does that make sense? Our heart's pure. We need to have good motives. We need to have pure heart. And, and so if, if that's a scary thing for you right now, if that would be a scary thing, if I said your name and said, okay, boom, spiritually, we're going to show your heart up. And if that, if that would make you have a heart attack, then God's got to do some work. And guess what? He wants to. The good thing is he's not going to put your heart up there, but he does know it. He does know it. Amen. God does know our hearts. And so we need to get to a place in our walk with God where we say, Lord, I'm, I'm okay with you working on my heart, I'm here. Open, I'm open, I'm open. Have your way. So he says, I'm going to tell you all that's in your heart. Let's look at verse 20. And he, and he says something interesting. He says, for as for your donkeys that were lost, they were looking for donkeys and three days ago, don't be anxious about them for they have been found and on whom is all the desire of Israel. He says, is it not on you and all your father's house? What he's saying there is, God has chosen you. Okay, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being now with this man of God who has told you everything about you? Now you're going, okay, this, this, this has got to be God because there's no way that person could have known this. And then he says, and the God that I just talked to you about cho chooses you to be king. Now, some of us are going, okay, okay that, what does that have to do with me? We're all chosen. We're all chosen. Jesus said to the to the, in the Great Commission, go and preach the gospel. 
to all nations. That's to everybody. So we're all chosen. But we can't be used, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Hopefully, you in this place, you want to be used. Hopefully. And, and, and if you say, I don't want to be used, I wish I could fast forward you to the judgment seat, and you'd want to be used. You'd be like, use me, Lord, because you don't want to stand at the judgment seat of God and not have anything done. So we want to be used. But we have to understand, I'm not going to be used to the capacity that God wants to use me till I cleanse my heart. Till I purify my heart, till I get my heart clean, and until I'm in a place with God where he sees everything. So he says, you're chosen. Now look at verse 21. I want you to see something. This is the key verse tonight. Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? Watch this. Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin, why then do you speak like this to me? What is he saying? He's humble. He's humble right there. Who am I? Am I not the least? Our tribe's the least. And, and, and what I want you to see tonight is that's a lot of times, that's how we start off. We start off humble. We start off with the right heart. We've, we've accepted Christ now. As a new believer, we're hungry. We've accepted Christ now. And, and wow, we say, man, I'm, I was so lost. Now I'm found. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Thank God I'm saved. And we get to that place where God wants us of brokenness. He gets us to a place of surrender. He gets us to a place where we say, God, I finally realize I cannot live this life without you. I have been messing this up for so long. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for doing heart surgery. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, if you had heart surgery tonight, how tender and dangerous would it be of anything that happens? How, how sensitive and open are you to danger, to infection, to problem, and all those things when you've just been operated on your heart? That's the place that God wants us to be the most broken. Because when we're at that place, we're the most humble. Now here's the key got to stay humble we see this man who's been chosen and i want you to understand that he is sitting there saying i'm i'm he basically in in words today he's saying you've got the wrong man i'm not him i i, I understand you just told me all that stuff and that's pretty amazing but i i think you you're, you're you're looking for somebody else there's humility there Okay, so I want you to understand that how important that is that there's humility in his heart. Now, let's go over to chapter 10. These, there's a lot of verses here, but I'm trying to show you some important things. So in 10, he anoints Saul, puts a flask of oil on him, anoints him as king, and he says, you're going to be king. Now, this is important, though. In this story, they says, you're going to be king because the people wanted a king. So let's look at verse um, 6. He's, he's, actually, let's go back to 5. After that, this is chapter 10. You shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instrument, tambourine, a flute, a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. And look at this. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and underline this, and you will be turned into another man what does God do with us he turns us in to another person 
We should not be now saved the same person that we were. We, we, we can have some personality traits, and I've always talked about that, you know, making sure that, that we don't lose. If, if you're a fighter, don't lose your fight. If you're tenacious, don't lose your tenacity. If you're passionate, don't lose your passion. But you've got to be a different person. And if, you haven't, if you're not a different person, then you haven't been born again because if you're born again, you're a new person. You're not the same person you used to be. You don't act the way you used to act. You don't talk the way you used to talk. You don't go the places you used to go. You don't think the way you used to think. It says to this man, you are going to be turned into another man. So God does something supernatural in him. He anoints him, and he says, now you're a different man. Now you're not the Saul that, that I met here. You're a different person. Okay, now look at verse, let's go down to verse 9. Actually, let me read on. 7, and, and, and it be with these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. Look at the person next to you and say, God is with you tonight. Tell me that's not enough word to make it. God is with you. You shall go down to the guilt to, before me to Gilgal, and I will come to you and offer burnt offerings and sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you'll wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Now watch this, verse 9. So it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him what? Somebody shout it out. Another heart. Heart transplant. The one he was born with was wicked. The one he was born with was deceitfully bad, deceitfully wicked, lost, doesn't want to obey God, gets a new one. So now he's been turned into another man, and the reason he's been turned into another man is because he now has a new heart. So we're all, when we get saved, we're all on equal playing ground. This is what a lot of people don't understand. When we get saved and we get born again and God gives us a new heart, all of us are on equal playing ground. We're all equal. Oh, we're all, we're all the same in the kingdom of God. We're all the same in the kingdom of God when we get saved. But from there is where we excel or fail. Are you listening? It's from there. God gives us a new heart. Now I have to take care of it. God makes me a new man, makes you a new woman, and gives you a new life, and now you have to take care of that new heart. You have to make sure that the heart he gave you stays pure. Because he didn't give you a bad heart. He gives you that transplant. He gives you a heart, the Bible says, of flesh. Meaning, Ezekiel 36, 36 says this, meaning that you had a heart of stone, now you have a heart of flesh. You were a heart of stone that... that God can't break in. He can't get to. He's, it's, it's too hard. He's trying to chisel at you, and it, it's too hard. But now you have a heart of flesh that he can mold. And we have to be willing to let God in and mold us. Listen, it's painful sometimes. But when your heart is right, you're listening to a message, any message, and you're saying, God, that's for me. Oh, you're speaking to me, Lord. Oh, Lord, keep it coming. Oh, that hurts, but I know it's doing me something good. That, that's the heart of a man or woman of God who has not allowed their heart to go back to stone, that they're keeping themselves humble, and they're allowing God to speak to them. And so we, we're going forward from equal playing ground now. All of us have a new heart, but what are we going to do with it? Amen? Read on. Let's go down a little further. 
Um, I'm not going to get into that part. Let's go down to uh, verse 26. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 26. He says, And Saul went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him. Now look at this again. Whose hearts God had touched. Teenagers, when you go to this camp, money's been raised, sacrifice, sacrifices have been made to be able to go to this, and the people who are going to be there at the camp have sacrificed. You have a choice of what you're going to get out of it. It's going to be lots of time for fun. But the most important times are when you're sitting there taking notes and listening and, and, and not waiting till the fourth or fifth night to say, Lord, I'll give you my heart. You ought to get there the first night and say, Lord, have sur- do surgery on me. And, and adults, that's the way we need to be every time we come to church. We need to come in and we need to say, Lord, I need you to come in and operate on me tonight. I've been out in this world. This world's trying to cling to me. This world's trying to grab onto me. The thoughts of this world are trying to get me. Lord, do surgery on me tonight. And that's how you keep your heart pure. That's how you keep your heart right. Because the devil's going to continually try to get you back to the way you were. He wants to, he doesn't like a pure heart. He doesn't like a clean heart. And so we see that there's a battle there. Now let's go on to chapter 11. And actually, I'm going to go on to 12. I'm going to skip 11. This is not what I really want to see in that part. I want you to, I'm going to begin to close right here in chapter 12. Give me an amen if you're there. Now, let's look at something very important. How do I keep my heart pure? Let's go down to verse 14. Samuel, and let me say this again before we read this. Samuel, you know what we need to do? We need to have people in our lives that when they speak into our lives, we understand there's authority there. Samuel had authority. This is a man who was, had given his life to God since childhood. And he had served God. And here's the interesting thing. I see such a purity of heart in Samuel because a lot of times, and this goes to ministry a lot of times, we, we want to be used by God, but sometimes we're so concerned about position that we don't get God to get our heart. I, I know a lot of people in the world who have a position in God. Sorry, a position in ministry, but don't have the heart of God. And that's dangerous. Look at Samuel. Samuel could have said at the moment that, that, that the people said, hey, we want a king. Couldn't it have been easy for Samuel to say, hey, wh- why are you not choosing somebody else? I mean, why are you choosing somebody else? I'm right here. I've been serving you since I was a kid. Why don't you make me king? But he didn't do that. There's something in a pure heart of a man or woman of God that says, I, I don't care who, 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 do, who does it as long as God gets the glory. I don't care how it gets done as long as God gets, gets the glory, as long as his work gets complete. And Samuel's saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about being the king. And you know what? It's probably a lot better to not be the king. He probably had a revelation from God, and God was like, you don't want that anyways. these people ask for it. It's not for me because not everything that sounds good and looks good is good. Amen. And if you have a pure heart, you can realize that. So he says here in verse 13, 12, sorry, and when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us 
When the Lord your God was king, I'm going to hit this just for a second. If you allow anything else in your life to be king, you're in trouble. Okay? The whole story of this, and you need to read it later, is that they wanted a king. They wanted a person to lord over them when God had been king. And so God says, we need to be careful with this because a lot of times we ask for things from God and God gives it to us and we think, oh, that was God's will. It's not always the case. They asked for a king. God didn't want to, they, God wanted to be their king. Like, why would you, why would you, and this is where religion comes in, why would I want a picture on the wall to worship when I can worship the king? Why would I want some prayer to say when I can talk directly to God? How many are getting what I'm saying? They, they didn't need a king. They had a king. God was their king. Who's better than God? But what happened? Idolatry. How do I know if I'm in idolatry? When you've allowed anything to come into your heart and be more important than God. We all have to work on that. Every day. Every week. Every year. God, don't let me have any idols. Don't, don't let anything. Listen, listen, this is important. We can love our wives and our husbands. We can love our jobs and our careers. We can love our kids. Listen closely to me. And those can all be idols. You can love your spouse more than you love God. You can love your job or career more than you love God. You can love your kids more than you love God. Now, none of those things are bad to love them. None of them are bad to, to, to have a good career, to, ha- to love your kids, obviously. But sometimes those things can become a king. And that's where the trouble starts. So how do we, how do we make sure that nothing else is becoming a king? We stay on our knees. We stay in prayer. We stay humble. We stay broken. We stay submissive to God's will. Because he's saying here in, in verse 12, he says, no, a, a, a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now read on with me, verse 14. He says this. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice. Hopefully you underlined that or wrote those things down. Listen to that. Fear the Lord Serve the Lord, obey his voice. Fear the Lord, serve the Lord, obey his voice. Those are three really good things to focus on. Fear the Lord, serve the Lord, obey his voice. A lot of times we're like, hey, come on, let's talk about something else more exciting. Fear the Lord, serve the Lord, obey his voice. What do I got to do to be really used by God? Fear the Lord. Serve the Lord, obey his voice. That's boring. I'm bored of that. Well, you can have what the world gives you then. Because God doesn't change, and he's just simply saying, fear me, serve me, obey me. Fear me, serve me, obey me. Fear me, serve me, obey me. If you do that, you're in good shape. If you don't, you're not. Period. That's what he says. And look, at he says, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. You know how amazing God is? He still said, I'll still bless you if you'll obey me, even though I'm going to give you the king you want that I don't want to give you. What an amazing God. He could have just been like, destroy him. 
So I'm going to give you a king. I don't want to give it to you. You're wrong in asking for it, but I'm going to give it to you. And if you'll just obey me through the king, I'll bless you. Isn't that amazing? So we know the day we live in, we have leaders, we have presidents, we have different things. We still have to obey God through those things. We still have to make sure that our hearts stay pure on those things. But watch verse 15. If you don't obey the voice of the Lord and rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, let's move on to verse 18. I'm going to read just a few more here. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added all these sins to the evil, all, all these, sorry, we have, we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king for ourselves. So they finally got that. Then Samuel said, look at verse 20, very key. Do not fear. This is funny. You have done all this wickedness, yet don't turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with what? All your heart. So he doesn't pull any punches. He says, yes, what you've done is wrong. But I'm going to redeem you. God's a God of redemption. We make a mistake, he'll redeem us. He'll call us back in and say, look, I'm not going to tell you what you did was okay. It was wrong. But get back right. That's why the Bible says the just fall seven times, and seven times they get back up. Amen? The worst thing you can do is grab this towel and throw it in. The only way you can lose is throw the towel in. As long as you stay in the fight, God's going to fight for you. You cannot lose the fight if you don't throw in the towel. And the way you stay in the fight is keeping your heart pure. Let's close right here. Watch this. Verse 24. Only fear the Lord. See if this sounds familiar. Only fear the Lord and serve him in what? Truth with what? All your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. We ought to be able to wake up in the morning and say, God, you have done so much for me. Stop complaining about what he hasn't done for you. and Start focusing on what he has done for you. Stop worrying about what you don't get yet and start thinking about the things he's already given you. And on this note, start thanking him for the things he hasn't given you that you've asked for that you don't need. Like a king. Now I want to close with what Saul did. What do we see in the very first verse I read? What, what was the word that I said he had? It was humble. Okay, I, who am I? I'm just a Benjamite. My tribe's the very least. But we have to be careful that when we're given any kind of success or any kind of position in anything, anything, school, work, whatever, it doesn't matter, if we're given any kind of success that we do not allow pride to come in. Because Saul started off good. And if you look at all these people in the Bible, they start good. We understand tonight it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Jesus said, he who endures till the end shall be saved. Lots of people start. How many people start marathons? I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a great percentage of people who start marathons that don't finish them. 
And some people, I would probably be that one when it comes to running. I'd be like, hey, I was in it. <laughs> Don't ask me how many miles I did, but I participated. But in God's kingdom, that's not the idea. Right? The idea is to finish the race. Like, just saying you're in it doesn't count. So we have to finish, and God has called us to do that. So Saul starts good, but let's look at chapter 13 and watch what happens. Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, underline these words. Verse 2, Saul chose for himself. Chose for himself. 3,000 men of Israel, 2,000 were with Saul in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan, and the rest of the people he sent away every man to his tent. Don't worry about anything else there except the fact that Saul chose for himself. Do not do things for yourself. Self is right there with Satan. I. You don't want to be I in the kingdom. There is no I in team of the kingdom of God. It's him, amen? Do not choose for yourself. How many without raising their hands could just agree in your spirit tonight that when you have made decisions for yourself, you have messed up over and over and over and over again. When I do what I want to do, I get in trouble. He chose for himself. And it goes on to tell us in that same chapter, a little further down, go to 12. I'm having to save a lot of verses from being read, okay? Verse 12. Give me an amen if you're there. Saul answers. Samuel rebukes him. Saul answers and says, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. I have not made supplication to the Lord. He's basically saying, I have not had a prayer life. I've stopped praying. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Forgive me if I'm really hard on you, church, about praying. It's really important to pray all the time, all day, every day. Don't get tired of that. Because prayer keeps you in good standing with God and keeps you out of trouble. He said, I haven't made supplication. Listen, if you want to look at your life and you start failing, you can look at the fact that you're probably failing to pray. Oh, I was a good one. Let me, get, let me say that to the wall over here. If you start to struggle in your life, it's probably because you're not praying enough. He said amen. I promise you, weak prayer life, weak walk with God. Strong prayer life, strong walk with God. Supplication. I haven't, I haven't done it. Watch this. I have failed. And he says, now here's, here's two dangers. He says, I felt compelled. Okay? Here's the danger. And he says, I offered a burnt offering. This is, this is the worst thing you can do, okay? Don't pray and then do what you think. That's the two worst things you can do. Don't pray, and then do what you think. Are you all catching that? Don't talk to God, don't consult God, and then do what you think you should do. You can't get any worse of a combination. I haven't talked to the Lord, haven't been on my knees, I'm real prideful right now, I'm arrogant right now, I'm not listening to the Lord right now, I think I'm going to do what I think I should do. Trouble. That's what he did. And he's admitting it. I felt compelled. And Samuel says to Saul, you have done foolishly. 
You know what? Start thanking God for the people in your life who will have enough uh, internal fortitude to tell you when you've done wrong when you need to hear it. Come on. Somebody that will tell you as a friend, a good friend, is not, not, not in a judgmental way, I'm better than you. Hey, I, I see something in your life that this is not going good. It's not a good direction. This is not a good path. Be thankful for someone that will tell you that in love. Amen. Because he says, you've done foolishly. He could have said, oh, Saul, it's okay. You know, you probably had a bad week. You know, you probably just, you know, you probably got a little weak in your flesh, you know, and it's okay. It's okay, buddy. No, we don't need our sin to be back rubbed. We need our sin to be rebuked. That's how we keep our hearts pure. And a heart that's pure wants to be rebuked. A heart that's pure wants to be told, hey, you're, 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 something's wrong. Amen. Not your flesh. Your flesh doesn't want that, but your heart does. How many are still here? I'm closing. Don't worry. This last couple of verses. You've done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. Which he commanded you. What I say earlier? Obey. Serve. He says, you haven't done that. Now, the, king, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. And look at this. Verse 14. For the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. That's why it's so, hard, so, so important to have a pure heart. Because God is looking for someone to have his heart. Now, nowhere in there did it say God is looking for a perfect person. Because this, he would be looking forever. And if we know the story of David, we know David was far from perfect. Now, that's not to justify the mistakes he made. Because that's what a lot of people do too. Oh, you know, hey, David messed up so I can mess up. That's the wrong heart. But we do understand that David was not perfect. He was, he, failed, he was an adulterer and a murderer. But his heart was pure. And his heart was teachable. And he ended right. Okay? How many are following me? This is something that we have to understand. God is continually working. So he says, he, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. You know what? You're not responsible for what the Lord tells me to do. And I'm not responsible for what the Lord tells you to do. We're all responsible for what the Lord speaks to us. In our own personal walks, there are things that we do together corporately, and that's great. But, but we've got to be listening to what God tells us to do. That's why I always tell you so much, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because something that you might be doing might not necessarily be a, some, some huge sin that's, that's so wrong and so horrible, but it's something that is causing your heart to be tainted and not pure. Or it's causing your heart to be filled with something else that's not God. Or it's taking away your anointing. It's taking away your, your authority that God wants you to have in your life. How many want to be able to walk in the authority that God has for your life every day? That when you pray for somebody or talk to somebody or speak to somebody or just walk, they, they feel the presence of God, see the presence of God, know the presence of God in you. That's what we should desire. But the only way we can have that 
is keeping our heart pure. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart are the issues, spring the issues of life. So if I, it's not a mistake, it's not a, an error I made, it's if I'm continually springing out hate, springing out jealousy, springing out je- uh, 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 unforgiveness, springing out this, springing out, there's something wrong I've got to deal with. And I've got to get back to my knees and I've got to say, Lord, remind me of when I said I was just the Benjamite. I was just that lowly person. And, and remind me that I'm nobody without you. How many tonight realize you're nothing without God? Nothing, nothing, nothing without God. But with God, we are everything. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for speaking to us tonight. These are, these are messages, God, that do surgery on us. And we all in this place need heart transplants. And it's a continual thing, Father. Because this world wants to latch on. It's not just a one-time prayer. It's something I have to do daily. Paul said it the best in the New Testament when he said, I die daily. He said, I beat my flesh into subjection because my flesh wants to do what my flesh wants to do. The spirit is willing, but the flesh or the heart is weak. Lord, I know there's desire in this place. I know there's people who earnestly desire to please you, earnestly desire to walk in purity of heart, want to be used by you, want to answer the call that you've placed on their lives. Lord, I know that's my desire. Lord, I I want to serve you with a clean heart. I want to have the heart of David and not the heart of Saul. That you would say, Lord, create in me tonight a clean heart. Remove from me anything that's an impurity. Remove from me anything that's wrong, that's haughty, that's prideful, that's arrogant, that's hard-hearted. Because, Lord, my heart is everything. And I want you to have my heart. Tonight, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, one more thing I want to say about that story that's really important that we need to realize in the Bible is that Saul could have repented Even right there, he gets rebuked by Samuel. And from there until the day he dies and falls on a sword, he could have repented. So so many times over the next many chapters, God was dealing with Saul's heart and he was using David. Even the one time when he was in the cave and David could have killed him, and he just cut off a piece of his cloak and said, I can't touch the anointed. David knew that even though Saul was making a mistake, he was wise enough not to touch God's anointed. He wasn't going to go there. He wasn't going to do something that would be detrimental to his heart. Saul could have said, man, I, 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 I I need to change. Over and over again, God was working on him. That's where we have to say, Lord, Don't let me get to that place where I'm, because it's a scary thing to think that you could get to a place where God could not deal with you anymore. He wants to. He's knocking, he's touching, he's tugging, he's dealing. But we need to make sure we stay humble so we don't get to that place. All over this place, how many could say tonight, I don't know Jesus. 
as my Lord and my Savior. I've never given him the place that he that belongs to him. I've never surrendered. I've never been born again. I need a heart transplant tonight. This is not about a church membership tonight. This is about letting God give you a transplant. About letting him come in and put a heart of flesh in you. Because right now, without Jesus, you have a heart of stone. Right now, without Jesus, you are headed to destruction. Right now, without Jesus, you are headed to eternal life without God. But it doesn't have to be that way because he loves you. Died on the cross for you. He's got a plan for you. He just wants you to let him in. How many could say that's me tonight? Just put your hand up and put it back down. I want to pray for you. I need a heart transplant tonight. All over this place. God sees your hand. God sees your hands. I need a heart transplant. See, it's not about me seeing your hand. It's about God seeing your hand. Because he sees your heart tonight. He sees the intentions of your heart. He weighs them tonight. And thank God, listen, God's a just God. He's a merciful God. And, and I love the fact that his, his word says his kindness leads me to repentance. He, he's not wanting to scare you, hurt you. He's not like a person. He's a God. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. He wants to give you another chance tonight. Let's stand to our feet tonight. You know, Saul, in our terms of the New Testament, backslid. He went back to his old ways. He started off good. He started off humble. And then pride came in. He began to, to, to get uh, uh, puffed up and believe he was somebody. And, and what he did was he allowed his prayer life to go away. He stopped probably spending time with godly people. He started, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I've even had some people tell me just in the last couple weeks when they miss a service, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I, it's, it's, I can't miss services. It's a reason why we're so adamant about being at church. This church don't save you. This church is going to just keep you saved. Because you've got to be around the fellowship of believers. You've got to be around iron that sharpens iron. It's important that we're in the house of God because we need someone to challenge us and say, let's keep our hearts pure. Because, man, you get out there in that world for a little while, and you don't get in prayer, and you don't get in the Word, and you don't have somebody staying with you, it's a slippery slope, and it's fast. I mean, it's quick. And so we need to understand that Saul was backslidden. Saul was turned away. And all he had to do was just say, you know what? I'm, I was wrong. Samuel, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I ain't trying to be king no more. Just, just save me. We don't see that. We see continued anger and jealousy and strife in his life. Amen. Misery loves company. Tonight and every Wednesday night for the next few months, we're going to focus on coming into this place and letting God work on our hearts. And letting him get us to the place where we're pure. And, and, and we don't have those motives. We don't have those, those issues going on. And that we, I want to be able to get to a place where I can say, Lord, put it up there. I want to be an open book. I want to be transparent. Amen? Shouldn't that be our desire? I want to be trans I ain't got nothing hidden. Come into my life, look at my phone, look at my computer, look at my closet, look at my house, look at my car. I ain't got nothing to hide. How many want to live that kind of life? Nothing hidden. No secret motives, nothing hidden. Everything open before God. Amen. We're going to open up the altars for a few minutes. Just let the Lord at the altar, especially on Wednesday nights. I also made a challenge Sunday night. There's two things we're going to do this summer. 
Because I know next Wednesday the campers will be gone. But there's two things we're going to do this summer that I believe God is going to bless. Two focuses we're going to have. Our Sunday mornings are, are normal. That's, that's what it is. But Sunday nights we're going to believe and, and expect. I said this Sunday night for God to pour out his presence and his spirit. We're going to look at Sunday nights like a rain night. Like water. Drinking water. It's summer. It's hot. And we're going we're gonna to get in that prayer room on Sunday nights. So we're going to get in here on Sunday. And we're going to come expecting God to fill us up with, with refreshing water on Sunday nights. Amen. That's going to be the focus for the whole summer. Every Sunday night, that's going to be my focus, coming in and drinking of the water. And then when we're nice and refreshed, we're going to go into the week on Monday. And then we're going to come back in on Wednesday. And now we're going to say, God, now work on my heart. Work on my heart. Keep, keep wiping out those impurities. Amen? Don't forget that this isn't a place of weakness. This is a place of strength. Praying is a place of humility. Praying is a place, a place of a decision where you say, okay, God, you've spoken to my heart now. I can't stress enough that he said right there, I have, I have not made supplication to the Lord. He's basically saying, I have let my prayer life go. You lose your prayer life, you lose. And tell, tell me it's not easy to do. you got to make time for it. Amen? And you know what? Maybe it has to start at the church. Maybe you haven't got a prayer life at your house yet. Well, at least pray here. At least find a place. Seek God. Turn around your seat. I don't care where you do it, but find a place to allow what's been spoken tonight to minister to your heart. Let's sing tonight. As we sing, we're going to find a place and just spend some time with God.